HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program was brought to you by the Academy Opus Caseus, whose training programs bring cheese professionals to the next level. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. We have a really special episode for you today. This is Emily Acosta, and I'm here with our usual Cutting the Curd host, Greg Blaze. How are you doing, Greg? I'm good, and you? I'm good. Greg just got a sandwich delivered by Jack, our engineer, and it looks amazing. Yeah, I gotta eat that soon. Yeah, I know. It's like, it really smells delicious. So, um, good times. Um, So... A few weeks ago, we had Anna Jewell on the show uh, to talk about her latest cheese journey trip to Oregon, which sounds amazing. Um, For those of you who didn't tune in, Anna is the co-founder of Cheese Journeys, which is a travel company focused on unique food adventures. So Greg and I were talking about cheese travel. It sort of inspired us to think about cheese travel. Um, So on today's episode, we're going to be having a whole bunch of interviews with different cheese folks that we met at an Academy Opus Cassius Breakfast at Casa Lula a few weeks ago. Um, But I wanted to turn the tables on you, Greg. Oh, yeah? Yes. And ask you about uh, a cheese travel story, which I know you have many. Some of them... I have some. Not appropriate for the radio, (laughs) but pick a good one for for the radio. No problem. Um, The best part, or one of the best parts about being a cheesemonger um, outside of actually doing the job... Uh, which is the best part, just being around the cheese and selling cheese and working at the counter. Uh, I think that the thing that most cheesemongers really love is to be able to go to the source where the products are made. Absolutely. And, you know, the whole journey to get there and um, the there's just um, the realization that the things that you're selling, all the things you thought about them and all the, like, locked-in memories that you have of them are real is, uh, is, is perfect. And I've been lucky in my time to be able to do that many, many times. Um, so what's one good travel cheese story? Um, I'd say the one that for me always will stand out is in the 2001, um, I was asked to be a judge in, um, in an Italian cheese competition. It was um, being held in the Valle d'Aosta, and uh, I was flown there by uh, Slow Food at the time. And uh, I remember it was right after 9-11. I was not okay with flying. 
Um, it was it was a uh, it was brutal. I got really drunk before I got on the plane. Um, they almost weren't going to let me on the plane, and there was an Alitalia flight, and then they gave me a whole row of seats to sleep in because uh, there was basically nobody on the flight. Um, and I got off in Milan, Malpensa, and um, I got put in a BMW or a Mercedes, and like I passed right out in the back seat, and then. When I woke up, I was in the mountains and uh, driving up into the Valle d'Aosta. Um, I stayed in the Hotel Bilia. And I remember um, I was sort of hungover and weary and uh, kind of tossed up mentally. And I walked into this room full of um, slow food people and Italians, none of whom spoke American. I'm just spoke American, spoke English. <laughs> Jesus. But I remember they looked at me and they were all saying Americano, Americano is here. And I realized I was about the youngest person in that room by about 20 years. And uh, I, I thought I was going to vomit. And they were like, you're late. and uh, But it's Italy, so everybody's always late. So they were used to that. And then I went and tossed my clothes up in this hotel room. Um, and I was like, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do this. All I want to do is sleep. Um, and instead, I went down into this uh, sort of cool but kind of a funky basement that was in the hotel where we were judging all the cheeses. I met all these wonderful people from Slow Food. And um, like I said, I was a little shaky. And uh, they wanted to put me to the test right away uh, to see if I was worth a shit or not. And uh, so they gave me a piece of Parmigiano and, um, and a knife, an improper tool to break it apart so that we could uh, smell and taste it. And um, so I was like, screw that. And I asked for the right tools, which they had on a table behind all of them. And so they sort of parted, and they let me use the spades and the, the, the prying tools. And I, and I popped the cheese apart perfectly in my hands. I put it up to my face to smell it. And I was like, you know, all my hangover sort of went away. And uh, I remembered why I was there. And uh, after that, you know, they, they were down with me. Had a great time. Explored the Valdosta and uh, judged Italian cheese. That was one of my, be- my, be- one of my best times, my best memories. That sounds amazing. Great. So uh, without further ado, let's listen to a few more cheese journey stories. Hi, this is Dave Gibbons. I write about cheese. I have a cheese column with Wine Spectator magazine. And my story is about recently going to visit Roquefort, which is a cheese tourism site like no other. Uh, The caves under the town where they age the cheeses, um, the uh, ovens where they bake the bread to make the mold that goes in the cheese. So we went there, and um, I was just struck by how beautiful and rural that area is. Um, and we stayed in the nearby town called Mio, M-I-L-L-A-U. Outside my window in the hotel, there was this beautiful 13th century Romanesque church. As we were checking into the hotel, there was a busload of Japanese men checking into the hotel. And I, I thought, gosh, I wonder what these people are here for. Maybe they're cheese tourists. Um, we went and we were given a wonderful uh, tour of the Papillon Roquefort facility, one of the seven producers, by Hervé Bourgeois, who's their marketing chief. And for some reason, it came up. We were talking about cheese tourism. And I said, well, I saw this busload of Japanese men checking into our hotel. I wonder if they're cheese tourists. He said, oh, no, 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 no. I met them. They don't even know about Roquefort until... They didn't even know about Roquefort until I told them about Roquefort. They were here to visit the bridge. They're engineers from Japan. There's this 
probably the most famous bridge in the world other than the Golden Gate Bridge. It's called the Viaduct of Mio. It's almost three miles long, I think. It's a 1,000 feet up in the air. It was designed by Norman Foster, the famous British architect, and some engineers. So they came to see a bridge, and they ran into a cheese guy, and he took them on a tour, and now they're going to take their Roquefort back to Japan. And so, to me, that's just a fun story about international cheese tourism, and sometimes you go to look at a bridge and you find cheese. Okay, uh, my name is Benton Brown, and um, I um, run Crown Finish Caves in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm thinking about a cheese journey that I had in uh, Auvergne, where um, we went to go visit a Senecterre producer, and uh, as we slowly like traveled deep into the volcanic uh, mountains up there, it was covered in snow, wasn't dangerous by any means, but it was just the most beautiful scenery as we approached, and all the buildings were made of stone, and just, I felt like I was traveling back in time, and uh, we went there, and it was the third generation Senecterre maker, and she makes cheese twice a day, every single day, there's no bulk tank, it goes directly into the vat, and I had never really seen that, that sort of process, and it really just blew my mind of how how just difficult and dedicated this this job was for this woman and i also noticed that the children of this woman were not about to continue this program and so that was uh, a real awakening of what i saw happening in in france for for senecter uh just this uh the end you know the end is is coming and um just um it was just an amazing uh a trip and and looking at all the terroir that was uh in around this farm it was just it was um just spectacular and sanctair became my most favorite cheese after that journey my name is miguel vera i am a cheesemonger from denver and my cheese travel story takes place in patlachor patlachor is a suburb of pokhara in nepal and uh, my sister has been volunteering in an orphanage in Kamandu for the last six years. The first time that I went out with her was four years ago. And we decided that we were going to make Mexican food for all these little Nepali kids. So we made chilaquiles, and uh, it was really tough to find any kind of quality cheese out there. My friend Dilu Chowdhury, I'd like to give a shout out to the best young Nepali cheese maker out there, Dilu Chowdhury of Balachor. Uh, made paneer, direct acidified paneer, and that was my first cheese making experience. It was the most amazing bland cheese that I've ever tasted, and nobody understood what chilaquiles or piñatas were. That's my cheese story. Hi, I'm Heather Porter Ingwall with Wisconsin Book Marketing Board, and my cheese travel story is when I was actually a student in Leiden, Netherlands, and we uh, went on a student tour where we got to ride bikes. Um, through the country of the Netherlands and then ride a ferry across to an island uh, that's called Terschelling. And we went to a farmstead Gouda um, operation. And it was like my first time that I'd ever been on anything like that. And it was a small family farm where they were making the traditional Goudas. And it was really incredible. And who would have thought 20 years later I would be in the cheese world representing great Wisconsin cheesemakers. And, um, you know, it all kind of started on my, on my trip in, in college. Hi, uh, I'm Laure Dubulot and I'm French. I work with the Hervé Mons cheeses. 
I think one of my favorite uh, cheese travel story is when I go back home in the French Alps and uh, we can go visit some great Roblochon producers that make some of like the most amazing raw milk cheeses and um, just being able to see them working with the raw milk and seeing those beautiful cows and the way the product tastes at the end is amazing. So. Hi, this is Sue Sturman with the Academy Opus Cassius, and I have a fun little travel cheese story from early in my career in cheese when I was working at the Ritz Escoffier École de Gastronomie Française, the cooking school at the Ritz. I was starting to teach cheese classes, and my husband and I took a bicycle trip up to Normandy, and um, we were biking around and we stopped. We wanted to find a, a local cheesemaker, but we didn't know any, and so we stopped at a Relais Chateau. Uh, hotel and asked the maitre d' are there any local cheesemakers that whose cheeses you carry he said oh yeah there's one and you go down the road a bit this way and then down a dirt path over here and so we kind of fo followed the directions and we came to these big gates at this sort of country manse and big iron gates and whippets came barking up a whole bunch of them and we kind of rang the bell and this lovely retired gentleman came up he used to work for one of the great couture houses. I don't remember which one, Givenchy or Lanvin or something. And uh, he came out and we said, hi, we want to visit your cheese. <laughs> he took us in and he had these Nubian goats, a small, about 14 of them. And he showed us his cheese make room. And I have all these pictures, very, very primitive. Of, you know, he just made these fresh ashed goat cheeses. And it was really, really fun. I think it was the first visit I'd ever done to a farmstead cheese make production and it was just a great great introduction hi uh, this is Steve Hall I work at Zingerman's Deli and I'm also opening my own restaurant in Ann Arbor called Spencer and I am an alum of Academy Opus um, and I think my favorite cheese the one that stands out the cheese strip that stands out the most was the first time I went to Neil's Yard which I think was just a pilgrimage is probably the best word for it. Uh, I'd worked at Zingerman's at the mail order company, and I'd grown up with the Saginaws, who were, uh, Zach was working at Neil's Yard at the time. So I was just going to visit, not realizing sort of what I was getting myself into. And you just walk up to the shop, and it's just this small, tiny palace of cheese. And you go in, and they just know so much more about cheese than you thought anyone could know. And the cheese is better than you ever thought cheese could be. And I must have been in that shop. I was in there for an obnoxious amount of time without buying anything. And I think I tried every cheese on the counter before they kicked me out. But yeah, that one stands out as just one of the best cheese places I've ever been. Uh, this is Jess Perry with Fromage X. Um, so my favorite uh, cheese travel story is not really cheese related, but uh, <laughs> driving in the Basque Country, listening to Siri of GP on our GPS, try to pronounce um, Basque street names um, and just completely butcher them. And we were a little bit tipsy from some Rioja, so that didn't really help, but those are my favorites. Driving around foreign countries with uh, GPSs that try to pronounce the foreign names. <laughs> yeah. I'm Brian Kaiser from Casalula Cheese and Wine Cafe. Um, I have two quick cheese travel stories. Um, before I opened this restaurant, I did a uh, trip driving around uh, the Pacific Northwest visiting cheesemakers. Um, 
and I'm a restaurant person, so I'm a nighttime person. And all the cheesemakers I would call would be like, yeah, come on over. Just be here at 4.30 and you can watch the milking and um, then you can watch the cheesemaking. And so I was getting up like what is the middle of the night for me to go drive out into the middle of nowhere in Oregon and Washington and Northern California to visit cheesemakers. And then one day I reached out to Pat Morford at River's Edge in Oregon and uh, she said, sure, come on by tomorrow. And I said, what time do you guys start? And she said, uh, we usually get up around 10 and start milking the goats at about 11. And I was like, oh, my God, these are my favorite cheese people in the world. I get to sleep in for one morning. And uh, sure enough, got there at 10. And uh, they were sitting around having coffee and uh, making breakfast. And so for the first time in uh, you know weeks of visiting cheesemakers every morning and being at work we were just sitting around drinking coffee and eating eggs and bacon and then it had to be lunchtime before we finally got out to uh, milk the goats that was that was my favorite cheese visit um, and then later on that trip uh, I called Kelly Estrella at Estrella Family Creamery, and she said, sure, you can come watch us make cheese. And I arrived there, and she just immediately put me to work. I spent the whole day washing uh, cheeses, flipping cheeses, sweeping out rooms, carrying buckets of milk. Like She had absolutely no, no shame in uh, not treating me as a tourist, but treating me as help and uh, then gave me the best cheese I've ever had in my life when I left. So that was memorable. Elena Santigade. I'm, I work at Le District. And uh, I had a life-changing cheese traveling experience that happened by accident. I was on a camping trip in England uh, in the Cotswolds just outside of London, and we were biking and camping, and I didn't bring enough, enough clothing. And, and this led me to stop at every single pub that we passed along the way to warm up because it was freezing. It was the springtime. I totally didn't expect it. And at every pub, I felt guilty just warming up. So, of course, I got the local cast conditioned ale and the cheese board. And I had a complete epiphany about English cheeses. I couldn't believe it. I had no idea what I was going to find at these little hole-in-the-wall spots. And I fell completely in love. Ready? Okay. David Grotenstein. And he, my story. Here's my story. Um, 1999, we went to England with my family, my nuclear family, for Christmas to visit my in-laws and everybody. And it's part of the trip to England. Uh, to, uh, we went into London one day, and we visited um, Neil's Yard Dairy. And then at this moment, uh, while we were visiting them, uh, Randolph Hodgson, who was the owner, and uh, Lex Alexander, who was a friend of his at the time, who was a uh, became the first uh, private label uh, uh, procurer for Whole Foods, who was his friend. You know, happened to be visiting with him for the for Christmas, and we there we all were all of a sudden in the store. And the reason they were all there was because they were um, plugging Stiltons. They were plugging Stilton's for Christmas. So here I was with my whole family, uh, my wife, my kids, my in-laws. You know, we're all wandering through London. And um, 
uh, Randolph and some of his family and everybody else. And so they were going to plug Stilton. So most of us said, uh, you know, we're going to go on and do something else. But I was very curious. And my daughter, who was seven, uh, said, no, I want to stay and try the cheese. So that's what we did. Everybody else left. And my daughter and I stayed and uh, plugged Stilton's with Randolph and Lex and everybody else at, at Meals Yard Dairy. And um, we all tried them and we all rated them. And my daughter, who was seven, you know, she would try something and she'd go, huh, you know, like she knew, you know, and she did know. I think she did, really did know. And so uh, we all abetted in that process of selecting the Niels Yardari Stiltons for Christmas that year. Romane Soup, Jean-Paul Fromagerie. Uh, the first big event that I remember about my uh, cheese experience, uh, experience, cheese experience actually, uh, I did a business school and I had to spend six months in Sweden, Sweden not for a uh, European uh, country. And uh, I went to the supermarket to have like uh, a good piece of cheese. And I went and I said, oh my God, there is all just Philadelphia, you know, like uh, the melting uh, cheese. And I say, I would like to have some good cheese. And I say, I'm the middle of the mo nowhere. Up to the north, it's like was minus 20, uh, 20 degrees Celsius. I was freezing myself. I say, I need some cheeses. And I went and I saw just Philadelphia. Oh my God. And one guy, he told me, Look, there is like a piece of bit mal. And I say, Oh my God, you are joking. I say, No, no, but this is French, uh, French cheeses. I say, Yeah, we, we should take this one. And after, we bought the, uh, this piece of uh, camembert, it was actually. And every time you say, yeah, I remember France. This was a great time ago, a great time ago. And she said we came back to France uh, to enjoy some French cheeses. That was my story. Arnaud Gauthier, sales manager of Lancet Cheese Dairy. In 2007, it was the first time I came in the United States. And... Uh, I pushed the door of uh, a cheese store and I said to the sales uh, people, I am the sales manager about uh, Lancé who produces the Delice de Bourgogne. And the sales people don't know that is the reality. And she said, no, it's not true. So I give my business card and they saw that I was really the sales manager of uh, She's very lancé and say, oh, it's so incredible. You are the producer. And we take a lot of um, pictures together. And oh, I was so exciting to, to show that my cheese is one store in New York State, in, in New York. It was really a better experience for myself. Okay. Hi, my name is Rachel. I am the French cheese ambassador. And this is my travel story. So the Monday of Memorial Day, I was flying out to Dallas, and I had a rental car. So, so I live in Oakland. So I have a rental car, and I'm driving the rental car back to Oakland Airport to drop it off and get on my flight. And so I get to Oakland Airport, I drop the car off, and I get on the shuttle to get to the airport, and I realize that I left my phone on the charger at my house, and I don't have my phone. And I'm like, okay. So... 
I can get around Dallas. I can use my computer. I have my, like, Wi-Fi charger. I can do this for a day, and I can have my neighbors overnight my phone to me so that I can have it for the next day. But I had sales meetings, and I didn't have the contact number for the salesperson that I was supposed to go with. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the gate. I'm going to check in. And I got upgraded, so I was in first class. So that's, like, I have total priority to get on the plane. And I check in, I drop my bag off, I run outside, I get a cab. I have 40 minutes before my flight starts to board. I get in a cab, he guns it to my house. I go inside, I get my phone, I get back in the cab, I make it back to the airport in 20 minutes and get on my plane. Hi, I'm Shelly Martin, and I work for WB Cheese. And I am, have been in the cheese business for 30 years. I'm very old. And I have so many cheese travel memories. I've, I've learned the entire world, the United States, Europe, through cheese. And um, I have so many memories, but I'll share one with you. A trip to France in 2000. And at that point, I had been sourcing and selling French cheese in the United States for 20 years and I just had this image of how they ate French cheese in France and how wonderful it would be and how the brie would just be so flavorful and runny and mushroomy and not just really boring like a piece of chalk and Long story short, I went to this elegant restaurant in Lyon and had a cheese course and nothing was ripe. Nothing was ready to eat. We had been eating it in a better, riper way in the United States than than in France. And what was going on was they were sort of adopting the American style. And I was really bummed out. That's number one. Number two, same trip, there was a big strike in France because of the price of gasoline and the farmers revolted. And we couldn't get anywhere because there were massive tractors in the streets blocking our way. We were in a van with like 10 cheese people traveling from dairy to dairy. And really, it was kind of like being in a World War II 1940s film. We had to like secretly at night go to and have people gas up our vehicle and... So what happened was we would ha- we would go out of the truck and we'd talk to the farmers and say we support you we're here for cheese we want we you know we're we're all about you and they would like say okay and like move the tractors and we'd get by and tell us where to get the trucks and Americans never have that experience and that was because of cheese as well Hi, I'm James Coogan. I work for Fairway Markets in New York City. And Emily asked me to tell a cheese and travel story, um, which made me kind of get sentimental, actually. I started to think about Spain and my dear dead friend Bill Devon and eating sheep's milk cheese out of a can cured in olive oil at a calcitata in Tarragona, Spain is one of the things that I just will never forget. It's indelibly etched into my memory. It was absolutely amazing. Can't be re- Hi, 
Hi, this is Stephanie Ciano from World's Best Cheeses. And I um, come to mind the biggest story of cheese um, was my first trip that I took 10 customers with me to England. And we had flown into London and we did a long journey where we had a rented bus um, where we drove up to North Yorkshire and visited Hawes Wensleydale. We were about a half, a half hour from the Scottish border. And it was so beautiful, seeing the ro rolling hills and a little bit of uh, snow on the grass and the sheep running in the meadows. And it was unbelievable. We stayed in a castle with four-poster beds. And it was just amazing trying the Wensleydale cheese on the farm. And we were trying sheep Wensleydale. Um, and it was just so wonderful um, because we got to go down into the town and meet people there. And, it, and we went into a classic pub where everybody's singing songs and all the Americans joined in. And it was such a sense of camaraderie and like an instant welcome into this community and uh, supporting of the product. And it really was wonderful when you taste the cheese there because it really imparts the flavor of the farm and the dairy in the product and you know some of it was really animally and you feel like you just licked a sheep but you know it was really something special that you remember you know for years to come so thanks <laughs> my name's Aaron Kurtz I work at Forever Cheese and here's my cheese um, adventure um, I wanted to talk about the Soto Cenere plant um, we went to go see their cheese being made, and it was my second trip to Italy, so I, I became more obsessed with, like, the milk coming in. I had noticed, like, it wasn't just about the milk being in the vats already, but it comes from a farmer, and you can actually see the milk come in on a tractor. We saw it come in with Parmigiano, and I thought, I'm going to watch the milk coming into this plant. And they had said, we got there early enough, that they had said there were four milk sources and there's only one in their in the container so I thought oh wow I should look for the other milk sources and so I looked out back and there was like this beat up VW type van with a milk thing in the back of it and that was the second milk source and then so my friend and I were like let's keep looking at these milk sources you know we can kind of keep track with our other visitors um the third milk source came in like a, another kind of ramshackle truck, and uh, I kept thinking like, okay, one more milk source, one more milk source, and this uh, older lady walks in with a hand truck and a thing of milk, and I, I, I remember, I was like, that's the fourth milk source. I was like, that's incredible, you know, and I think of this cheese as like this, you know, uh, cheese that's uh, everywhere and it's and actually like the milk sources can come from like very small places and so that was just this incredible moment of realization that you 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 might think something's really big but you know when you actually go back to visit the roots that these are really old world traditions and you know I'll never forget it Uh, William Emery, I am in sales and development with Pondini, and I am a cheesemonger at Italy NYC. Uh, so my favorite cheese journey is probably being in this business. Uh, it was a passion of mine. Cheese has been a passion of mine for about 10 years. Um, and I just, uh, about a year and a half ago, got into the industry, 
Um, I met a great group of people. Um, I worked at a little shop first, which curated a bunch of like really, really American farmstead artists and cheeses. Um, and then I, you know, moved on to Italy with Greg Blaze, and uh, he was a real mentor of mine there. And um, you know, throughout that period at Italy, I mean, you know, you just sold a lot of cheese. And in addition, I, you know, I started going on travels of my own, visiting small. Uh, you know, farms in, in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, upstate New York, and uh, they really, really touched me in a way that I, I saw how hard they worked, um, their ethic, their passion for, for, for making cheese and being a part of the industry, and uh, that inspired me, you know, so um, I, I wanted to instill that same ethic in my workplace and what I did, and I think we did, I did, um, and uh, now I've Landed at uh, sales with Pondini uh, cheese, you know, organic uh, purveyor of, you know, Italian, um, Spanish, and American cheeses, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see where it goes from there. The journey will continue, and I think, uh, who knows, Europe, America, I don't know where I'll end up, but uh, it'll be somewhere in cheese, and I'll be here for the rest of my life. I can say that. Thanks for listening to Cutting the Curd. Thanks again to Sue Sturman and Brian Kaiser at Casalula and at Academy Opus Cassius for hosting a wonderful breakfast a few weeks ago. And uh, tune in uh, next week for another episode of Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>